0: Did you know that you can listen and subscribe to the Catholic Gateway podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and most other podcast apps? Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis to find us, or you can always invoke St. Anthony. Then make sure to rate the podcast and share us with your friends. We really appreciate five star ratings. Remember, your guardian angel is watching you.
1: parish likes to to look at kind of the bigger picture
2: a priest is an altar too
1: they just go go go
2: in the zeal full of jesus christ
1: there is
0: compassion for poor people and it has this beautiful historic church heaven coming down to earth thanks be to god from the rome of the west this is the catholic gateway podcast your audio gateway into the archdiocese of st louis On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We'll also give an update on Catholic news, courtesy of the reporters from the St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine, the official publications of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So with trust in the Holy Spirit, let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. Today we have a very special episode for you. I recently sat down with three of the four transitional deacons to be ordained to the priesthood for the Archdiocese of St. Louis by Archbishop Carlson on May 27, 2017. Deacon John Schneier, Deacon Peter Fimega, and Deacon Michael Lampy shared with me a little about their background and vocation stories as well as what they're looking forward to the most as a priest. I also asked them a few lighthearted questions, like their favorite meal and their favorite thing about St. Louis. Unfortunately, their classmate, Deacon Clark Phillip, could not join us for the interview due to his ongoing studies at the Pontifical North American College in Rome. We broke the interview up into two parts for this episode. About halfway into it, we'll take a break for some news and updates from around the Archdiocese. So here's part one of my interview with Deacon Schneier, Fahimega, and Lampie. And um, Tell me about your background, uh, where you're from here, maybe what parish, what high school, and, uh, and then uh, anything else that people need, ought to know about you. And, and I guess where you're assigned as a transitional deacon now. So, Deacon Schneider?
1: Sure. Um, well, I'm a lifelong St. Louisan. Grew up in Florissant, St. Ferdinand Parish. I've lived there all my life. I'm um, the oldest of three, uh, a typical, pretty, pretty typical Catholic family. Go to Mass every Sunday. Uh, family was always very involved uh, in our parish, um, uh, really, really enjoyed the, um, the priests that we had there growing up as a kid. And we had some wonderful, wonderful priests. Uh, I can think of uh, Father Gary Gebeline and uh, the late Father Jack Dempsey, who were very, um, who had a very profound impact on me growing up. Um, and let I went to high school at Slew High, graduated from there in 2010, and uh, entered Cardinal Lennon College Seminary immediately after that. Um, as far as kind of how my vocation story goes, um, yeah, you know, we were a very typical Catholic family, went to Mass every Sunday. And uh, you know, I, I was a observer, my family was just kind of always around the parish and it was just a normal part of life to be active and involved. So the idea of being a priest was never, I wouldn't say it was at the forefront of my mind, but it was, it was always kind of around. Um, it was always maybe a distinct possibility, maybe not a direct possibility, but, but a distinct one maybe. Um, maybe, you know, maybe thought about that a little bit as a kid. Um, you know, you're always very involved in the parish. Um, I did parish music ministry. I was the uh, organist and pianist at the 7 a.m. mass at my parish starting in seventh grade. Um, my mom was the cantor. That always helps to get a job there. <laughs> right. uh, I'd say probably around sixth grade uh, through my sophomore year of high school, though, um, the faith became a little bit more mechanical for me. Um, you know, I never fell away from the faith. My uh, my parents would, would have hated me if I did, but, um, I just again, became a lot more mechanical. Um, started playing a lot of select baseball, um, and you know, with high school, a lot of other things seemingly took a higher priority than, than my faith. And um, yeah, so it it just became more mechanical. Going to mass was just checking off a box. Same with going to confession twice a year with my youth group or with, uh, at school. So um, that really kind of changed. Uh, I was the summer before my junior year of high school. Uh, my mom. Had um, just some side effects to some surgery, some abdominal surgery that she had, and had to get rushed to the ER. Had some emergency surgery. Uh, was in the ICU for like four days, and um, she very she came very close to dying actually. Um, and this whole experience really jarred me as a as a 15 year old. Um, you don't, you know that, that that was the most traumatic thing you could say that had ever really happened to me, and it really kind of maybe ask a lot of what-if questions, um, you know, if my mom, for some reason, wouldn't have been able to make it, um, and it really forced me to kind of reanalyze what's most important to me, what's the biggest priority, and um, I had to look at myself in the mirror and very honestly say that God and my family at that time weren't as high as a priority as what they should have, and um, so made it a point to get more involved in the faith, especially in campus ministry at Slew High, um, and in that I wouldn't I really call it a reversion, but just kind of reawakening, I guess, to the faith. Um, so the idea of being a priest kind of came back. that Maybe little idea that had been there since I was a little kid. And, um, you know, got to know a number of priests at Slough High, um, and even some priests at the seminary. And so when the time came to think about where I wanted to go to college, um, the seminary was someplace that I could genuinely see myself going there. And... Um, So I went and I've, it's been a wonderful seven years and can't wait to be ordained in just a little while.
0: It's going to be here before you know it. (laughs) (laughs) Deacon Fahimega, can you tell us how you got here?
3: Yes, so I'm originally from Nigeria in West Africa, and I was born in a little town called Kasna'ala in Benue state, central Nigeria. Uh, So um, I grew up in a very Catholic family, and we are eight siblings in our family, and I'm I'm the seventh child, and uh, we have four boys, four girls. So I I went to high school in Kasnala St. Gerard Catholic High School in my little town, and Growing up was so, so, so nice with everybody around you and cousin, nephew, and all that. In Africa we have a lot of extended family, yeah. And that was very nice growing up. I was so much involved in in, my, in the parish life right when I was very young because our feet was the center of our family life. and Everybody has to get involved. Our parents encouraged us so much. And I picked that very early in my life and that has kept me on up till now. So I after graduating from high school I went to college. After graduating I, I entered a seminary. So I ended my at the seminary in two thousand and five. I joined a religious community called the Society of our Mother of Peace. So I was was with them for like 10 years. So after I graduated from college, philosophy in Nigeria, I moved here to the United States to continue with my theology. So that is how I get in contact with the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So I decided to join the diocese. And then
0: here we are. So yeah. a few years later. Yeah. So uh, we were talking before we uh, recorded, uh, started recording this segment. Uh, you've been done with school then for a little while. So. Yes, yes. So what have you been doing then in these subsequent years? Uh, I'm sure serving at a parish? Yes. Where, where have you been stationed?
3: Yeah. So I've been stationed first at Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary Parish at O'Fallon, Missouri. Okay. So I was there for a year and then... I moved down to St. John of Arc last year, June. Okay. Yeah, so I'm there up to now. Great. It has been so wonderful being in the parish and learning about parish life and getting involved. It's it's very, very enjoying. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And are you liking St. Louis then?
3: Yes, I'm liking it so much, but... Only thing is when winter comes, in, whenever our know. <laughs> <laughs> winter is down in Africa. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little colder it's, here. It's very, really Although good. we were
0: lucky, this past winter was was very mild compared to what it could be. So you got you <laughs> <Yeah>. lucked out. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, that was, that was really different. That was the first time I saw snow when I came here. Oh wow! Uh, it was very new. For yeah, me. and yeah. I like it. Though, That's but, cool. Uh,
0: Well, you'll have to get used to it, because you'll be here, hopefully, for a long time. Yes,
3: I just have to. (laughs) (laughs) Offer it up. Yeah, (laughs) I will. Very good.
0: Uh, Deacon Lampy.
2: So, um, my home parish is Epiphany of Our Lord Parish, and I grew up there with my family, and I'm the fourth of nine children. Um, Went to Bishop de High School, and after that, I went to the University of missouri rolla for college. I studied nuclear engineering, um, and I stayed there for a master's degree, also in nuclear engineering. And then I worked for a number of years uh, for a small consulting company in um, Sycamore, Illinois, about an hour west of Chicago. And while I was out there, um, it became clear to me that I should become a priest, and so I came back here and entered seminary. But I uh, But along the way, um, like early in my childhood, I was uh, considering the priesthood when a priest came into the classroom and asked for altar servers. And um, in my mind at that time as a boy, it seemed to me that that was the first step towards priesthood. And there was a kind of excitement with that idea. Um, But then I thought to myself, without even telling my parents, uh, that they, they were sending me to school so that I would be in the classroom to learn. And I knew that the altar servers would have to uh, sometimes miss class in order to serve funerals and other, other masses. So um, I decided to let this opportunity pass, and I was kind of saddened by that. Um, and then I didn't really think about it again until college. And in fact, in between there and college, I had drifted away from the faith. And um, when I was in college at Rolla, um, I had kind of a reawakening to the Catholic faith one summer Um, when I was uh, staying there working as a um, undergraduate research assistant and uh, it was the first time I had a room to myself because I had grown up in a large family and um, since I had the opportunity that summer I decided to give it a try but I felt kind of isolated and alone and so it it kind of triggered um, just thoughts of what was going on in my life, what my future would be like and things of that nature and the different possibilities did not seem uh, like good ones, and so I decided to, to give my life over to God. And, uh, and then I started getting strange ideas coming into my mind, like going to Mass <laughs> or, um, or going to the Catholic Newman Center. And uh, since I had never thought of those things on my own before, I figured that they were inspired thoughts by God, and so I decided to follow them, and that helped me to come back to the faith. Um, and while I was there in college, um, the pastor at the local parish, St. Patrick's in Rolla, um, noticed that my interest in the faith, and he invited me to a discernment group. Um, and while I was with them, it kind of planted some seeds for uh, the priesthood, which eventually came into fruition um, years later uh, as
0: I was working. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing, going to Mass. It's crazy, <laughs> I mean, You never know what could happen. Or, or just, you know... Being open to God's will, that's, that's scary, <laughs> scary stuff. Yeah, really, yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of joking, but it's very true. <laughs> uh, so um, I guess the, the, this is kind of a cliche question next uh, that I'm going to ask, but I think it's important to ask guys uh, preparing for priesthood. I think it's, it's a very unique insight into who they are, who they're going to be as a priest, uh, and it's, it's, I think, uh, uh, sort of an unfiltered perspective as well because uh, you're not a priest yet. What are you most looking forward to as a priest? What are you lo- most looking forward to um, doing and, and how acting, or you know, is it saying mass or confession, so on and so forth? I just want to hear what you, guys, what you guys are looking forward to.
1: Um, for me, at least, I'm, it, I, the simple answer is all of it. Um, but specifically, the element I think that I'm most looking forward to I mean, is just the ability to make Christ present to other people. Um, that was one of the reasons why, at least when I came into the seminary, I thought to myself, this is, this is why I want to be a priest, because I want, I want to bring Christ to other people. Our world desperately needs Christ um, in so many ways. And the priest has a very unique way to make Christ present to other people um, in the confessional, especially through mercy and spiritual fatherhood, and in the mass um, directly uh, in the Eucharist. So it's the it's the unique privilege of being able to make Christ present to other people and to be present to them in, um, in their some of the greatest moments of their life, but also the most difficult. That uh, I'm really, really excited about.
3: Yeah, for me, in, uh, it it doesn't it didn't just take one one form. It developed as time goes on. I have the idea of priesthood when I was like 15, serving at Mass. But as of that time, what attracted me so much was just the way the priest dress, you know, <laughs> with all these garments, and they, they have people serving there at the altar, and all that, you yeah. So I want to be one of them. That was my first idea about it. But as time goes on, as I, I grew up, and started learning more about my faith and also about the sacraments. So, my idea about the priesthood totally changed. So, the great gifts that we have in the church, in the sacraments, what God has given us, and then I will be the one to administer this sacrament to the people of God. What a privilege that will be for me to be in that position. And I think that is what I would love doing as a priest. Uh, And I appreciate God that God will give me the, the privilege to be able to stand there for him and pour out his graces on his own people. Mm. Me in doing that, I I, I I like that so much, and I thank God for that privilege. Mm.
0: That's very cool. So all the sacraments all together? Yeah. No, no favors. No, no <laughs> favors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, good. That's good. We don't want, mm-hmm. don't want to play favorites here. Deacon Lampy. Well,
2: um, I certainly uh, was attracted to the priesthood, uh, not initially, but when I started um, allowing God's grace to work on me and and giving it some thought. um, It's being that instrument of God's grace. It's kind of what the other deacons have already said. Um, Being the presence of God to others, being able to bring God to them. um, I do have favorite sacraments. It's it's uh, the Eucharist and the <laughs> confession. Uh, and confession. Um, well, we will be doing those a lot, so... <laughs> yeah, and those that's one of the favorite. things I love about them, is that those are sacraments that we can have celebrated multiple times. Um, we can receive multiple times and uh, receive abundance of grace from that. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to most, is celebrating those sacraments. I mean, I'll enjoy all of it, I'm sure, uh, even though there will be times of difficulty and challenge. Um, But those are the the two that I look forward to most.
0: Um, Another question then. So as you're on this this cusp of now being ordained, you've been through years and years of schooling, whether it's at the seminary or or prior to that at at a a college, uh, studying something completely different. Um, You've had different life experiences Talk to the guys out there who might be listening to this. What would you say to any guys uh, who, who would be considering the priesthood in, in the remotest sense at all or, or, or being more serious about it? What would, you, what would you say to them to encourage them to, uh, to go forward in this process?
1: Sure. Um, one of the things that a really, really good priest friend told me when I was in the seminary, or younger in the seminary, I should say, was that seminarians are ordinary men striving for extraordinary things. If you come to the seminary on a given weekend— you will see guys playing water polo in the pool, watching a movie, hanging out. And, but you'll also see guys walking around praying the rosary. Guys praying the Liturgy of the Hours together before they go out for dinner. Um, there's a beautiful ordinariness of seminary mixed with the extraordinary. And the beautiful thing is we don't lose that ordinariness. We don't, we don't lose who we are when we discern and when we grow in holiness. That that all stays there. It it you know the the wonderful quote from Pope Benedict: God takes nothing away, but he gives you everything. Um, so I I was most I mean I I was just so happy that there were people who everyone just kept their humanity in this building where sometimes you might feel like you're under a microscope a little bit, but it's there, there's a beautiful um, there's a beautiful thing there that we're still ordinary guys and in that sense, it should just be an ordinary part of every Catholic guy growing up to discern, to think about it. Not everybody's going to be called to it, obviously. Most people are called to marriage. But it should just be an ordinary part of growing up in a Catholic house that, hey, what if God's calling me to be a priest? Is that is that where he's leading me? Um, that should just be an ordinary thing. Because, again, I when I was initially discerning, the, the fact that I could see that priests and seminarians were ordinary people who loved to Eat pizza, go play capture the flag, but also would turn around right from that and you know pray the Angelus was was really cool and uh, something that really attracted me to the seminary.
3: For me, I would say that you, you just have to follow your heart desire. You know that is just and don't look at the challenges and difficulties that are involved because that is just the truth about ourselves as human. Everything we do in life involves difficulties and challenges. And if we just focus on those challenges and difficulties, we will never do anything in life. You know? If you want to be a doctor or if you want to be an aero engineer or anything, you have to discipline yourself You know, to become that. If you don't do it because there are a lot of difficulties involved, then you will never become a doctor or an aero engineer or anything like that. So even if that is true with our own salvation too. St. Paul tells us that fight your salvation, fight up your salvation work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know. So it involves something, giving up something to achieve what you think God is calling you to do in life. So the challenges must be always be there. But you shouldn't focus on it. Follow your heart, desire, and see what God wants you to do in your life, with your life.
0: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Deacon lamby?: I would
2: say um, try to find out what God's will is and then um, do
0: it. Uh, sounds really simple. <laughs> yeah, easier said than done.
2: <laughs> it sounds
0: really simple, but it's not. Um, tell you're the nuclear engineer. Here's the instructions. <laughs>
2: Uh, I did not follow that advice initially, um, as I had mentioned before. Initially, I was thinking about doing what I wanted to do, which was become a nuclear engineer, and I did that. But uh, I also wanted to get married and have a family. Like Deacon Schneider said, that's what most people are called to do. But rather than being open to what God m- may have in mind for me, I just decided that's what I wanted to do. And that's one of the reasons it took me so long to enter the seminary, is because I just wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I didn't uh, didn't really consult God about it. But as I was growing in holiness, as I was growing closer to the Lord, as I spent much time in adoration, um, God was revealing to me what he had in mind. And, uh, and slowly, I was coming around. But for a long time, I still had my own plans. So I... I asked the Lord uh, in prayer um, to just tell me what He wanted me to do and I'll do it, hoping that He would tell me to do what I wanted to do. Um, hoping that He would also have some sort of like giant neon sign saying, go get married. But um, instead, what would happen is He would send a priest to me who would ask me if I'd ever considered the priesthood. And uh, I. I wasn't really interested, so I would just kind of ignore that and set it aside. But then this desire to to do God's will would come up, and I would pray again, Lord, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. And then he'd send another priest to ask me, Have you ever considered the priesthood? After eight times of this happening, I decided to stop counting, because it it just really wasn't what I had set my own heart on. (laughs) Um, But like I said before... Uh, just allowing God to work in my life, growing closer to him, he eventually won me over. And then once I was won over, I was asking myself, why didn't I do this sooner? I mean, um, God loves me. He knows what, what's best for me. And so I should, should have trusted him to know that he would want what's best for me and what will make me happiest, not only after this life, but even in this life. And for me, he's calling me to the priesthood. Uh,
0: so if somebody out there is repeatedly hearing the same thing over and over again, it's probably That's a, a sign. sign. Yeah, okay.
1: yes. yeah, That's a sign. That's the sign <laughs> you're looking for. That's the gist of it.
0: <laughs> we hope you're enjoying this interview with Deacons Schneier, Mega and Lampy. Keep listening for part two, where we'll learn about the future priests' favorite meals and their favorite things about St. Louis. First, though, let's take a look at some of the people and events, making news around the Archdiocese of St. Louis for the week of Monday, May 22, 2017. Just this morning, attorneys with the Thomas More Society joined Archbishop Robert Carlson, Our Ladies in Maternity Homes, and O'Brien Industrial Holdings, LLC, in filing a federal lawsuit against the City of St. Louis over Ordinance 70459 or more commonly known as Board Bill 203. The suit was filed because the plaintiffs believe it violates their constitutionally protected rights of speech and religion.
3: Let me be perfectly clear, the Archdiocese of St. Louis and its affiliated agencies and its ministries will not comply with this ordinance. We have taken this legal action today to defend our religious liberty and the constitutionally protected religious liberty of businesses, individuals, and other non-faith-based organizations who will be discriminated against as this oppressive law is imposed upon them.
0: For more on this developing story, make sure to check out the St. Louis Review. The story is currently one of the top stories on the stlouisreview.com homepage. The Archbishop's Gospel of Life Prayer Breakfast took place on Wednesday, May 17th, This was the 8th annual breakfast, which is hosted by the St. Louis chapter of Legatus. The Most Reverend Edward M. Rice, former Auxiliary Bishop of St. Louis and current Bishop of the Diocese of Springfield, Cape Girardeau, was the keynote speaker. Bishop Rice extolled the 650 attendees to live the gospel through their families.
1: Do you think of your family as a sacrament? That's a beautiful insight, and I think that's a beautiful contribution that St. John Paul II is giving to us in the church. That your family unit, whatever it looks like, he's referring to that as a sacrament. And wouldn't it be beautiful to recapture and sort of revitalize our sacramental vocabulary and speak of the family as a sacrament?
0: At archstl.org slash legatus, you can watch a video of Bishop Rice's talk or listen to the audio only. The talk is also available as a podcast through iTunes, Google Play, or other podcasting apps. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. The 2017 Catholic Communications Campaign took place this past weekend, May 20th and 21st. The campaign directly impacts global and local communications efforts and enables the Archdiocese of St. Louis to support parish communication's needs. Thank you to everyone who contributed to this campaign. The Paul VI Pontifical Institute is offering an invitation for your prayer life with Oremus, a guide to Catholic prayer. Oremus is an eight-week program consisting in a 30-minute video presentation by Father Mark Toops, followed by about 30-minute conversations in a small group. To find out more, please go to the Paul VI webpage on archstl.org. The Pontifical Paul VI Institute for Catechetical and Pastoral Studies also announced a staffing change in conjunction with Kenrick-Glennon Seminary. Dr. Ed Hogan, who has been director of the Paul VI Institute since 2010, will move to the position of academic dean at Kenrick-Glennon Seminary, while Dr. John Gresham, who currently holds the position of academic dean at Kenrick-Glennon Seminary, will take the position of director of Paul VI Institute. The change will be effective on June 1st. 2017. As you've already heard, the ordination of four men to the sacred priesthood will take place this upcoming Saturday, May 27th at 10 a.m. at the Cathedral Basilica. We'll get right back to our interview with three of those men to be ordained very shortly. Archbishop Carlson is celebrating the anniversary of his ordination to the priesthood on Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017. This marks 47 years since he was ordained. Please remember Archbishop in your prayers on May 23rd in thanksgiving for his priesthood. Just a reminder, Ascension Thursday is this week, May 25th, but it will be officially celebrated on Sunday, May 27th. The 2017 Catholic STL Communications Colloquium will be held on Thursday, September 28th here at the Cardinal Regali Center. The colloquium will begin at 11 a.m. with Mass celebrated by Monsignor Eugene Morris, following mass will be a keynote presentation by denise bossert if catholic communicators would like to attend please email eric gabrielson in the office of communications and planning eric gabrielson at archstl.org now here are the five quintessential stories from the st louis review handpicked by the staff for you to share and discuss this week you can find these stories at st louisreview.com five things that's the numeral five things or in the paper, dated May 22nd through 28th, 2017. Joe Kenney has a story on the St. Dominic High School jazz band and how several students are taking it to the next level. Dave Luking writes about a safe haven. See how the Kitchen Table Restaurant offers women a safe environment to improve relationships, develop leadership skills, and more. Jennifer Brinker has a story up on how the Eastside Heart and Home Family Center teams up with parishes, among others, to build its 21st home in appropriately titled Resurrection Park. Thanks to a Beyond Sunday grant, Differentiated Education is pushing students to reach their personal potential at North County Catholic schools. And the St. Louis Review also looks into the Oremus program, which I mentioned earlier. It's intended to help people form a deeper relationship with Christ through embracing a prayer-boosting life. There is a look at what is taking place around the Archdiocese of St. Louis. For these stories and more, visit stlouisreview.com and archstl.org. For up-to-the-minute news involving the Archdiocese, please follow the Archdiocese of St. Louis and the St. Louis Review on Twitter and Facebook. Now let's jump back into my interview with Deacons John Schneier, Peter Fahimega, and Michael Lampy. Okay, so we're, I've got a, a, a few questions, I think, now that uh, maybe we'll... Um, Not that these questions haven't been lighthearted and fun, but maybe lighten it up a little bit. Um, If you could have dinner with one Catholic historical figure, except Jesus, we're going to forget him. Uh, Some other Catholic historical figure that you could have dinner with. Who would it be?
1: And if you could briefly say why. Um. Wow. There's so many to choose from. There, there are there are a ton. I would probably say John Paul II. um, with Thomas Aquinas maybe being a close second, uh, number two, but JP two, um, just to pick his brain about, you know, he was an amazing philosopher and a theologian just to pick his brain about what he saw in our world that, that he felt needed this or how he came up with what he, what he wanted to say to the world. And even just his, uh, his just political savvy against communism in, in Eastern Europe, um, and just his holiness and suffering. Um, just as an example for priests, would be, would be someone that I would love to be able to have dinner with. And we could have some good Polish sauces, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's another question, so we don't <laughs> don't get ahead of us.
3: <laughs> yeah, for me, I think I would, I would love to dine with Mother Teresa of St. Teresa, yeah, now, yeah. I was getting used to saying that. Yes, I <laughs> <laughs> was used to saying that, St. Yeah. Teresa of yeah, her life, I'm reading um, a biography of her life and how he was really moved by God to touch people's lives and testimony that people are giving. I grew up in an area that people were really in need, a lot of needy people around, and I saw the, the courage to be able to do that. You know, It involved a lot to take care of poor people you know, the resources, the money involved, and so many things. You know, but she went in there without anything, you know, trusting God's providence. And that, that her trust in providence that was what really touches me so much. Like, God is always there for us, you know, no matter the situation, no matter how dark it looks like. Sometimes you will not have any food, and all of a sudden someone will come around, you know. So that aspect of our life, so much trust in God, providence, that was what really touched me in our life. You know, and mm.
0: The problem with having wanting to have dinner with Mother Teresa, she probably wanted to give away to the, to the <laughs> poor. I mean, so <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't be much of a dinner. <laughs> yeah. uh, Deacon Lampy?
2: There are so many to choose from, and um, I'll just go with the one that I first thought of, which was... St. Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> and uh, the reason why I would choose him is uh, just so I could have a conversation about um, what he would think of of things that, as they are now today, and how his theology uh, would have changed or developed, given the new informations, the advances in sciences. Um, I mean, there's a lot of changes in, in bioethics and... Um, just to see what he would think or say about a whole lot of different issues that uh, were unthinkable during his time.
0: That's great, Yeah, it would be, that would be a fascinating conversation. Just for the record, I would love to have dinner with G.K. Chesterton, that would be, that would be Not amazing. Not bad either. Um,
1: you would probably have a, have a couple good drinks and laugh a lot yeah. too. And so. he would probably
0: eat much more than I, <laughs> than I would. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so next question, what, uh, what's your favorite meal that you like to cook for yourself? You mentioned the Polish sausage. So I not Polish want to-
1: sausage is good. Uh, I would say uh, there's a dish that my dad cooks called rigatoni alla norcina. It was a dish that we had as a family when we went to Rome uh, seven years ago or eight years ago now, and uh, it was absolutely fantastic. It's it's a very common pasta dish over in Rome, and uh, it was so good. My dad scoured the entire internet to find a recipe and tinkered with it. For months later, so we could get it to just exactly how we had it in Rome. It was that good, um, and I have the recipe. And I, you know, I'm I'm not good at creating my own recipes, but you give me a recipe, I can I can cook it. So that would be my favorite.
0: So when you're uh, living, you know, pretty much on your own, directory someday you'll be making a
1: lot of. A lot Hopefully, of pasta. Uh, we he has to go down to the hill and get, you know, to like one of the little markets and get. You got to get just the right uh, tomatoes. Yeah. and Well, just, the, you know, the, the cheese, the, the pancetta, yeah, it's like Italian. It's pork, but it's cut like, it's like bacon, but it's not cut like bacon. So it, it's it's very specific stuff that he always goes down to the hill at some of those little yeah. bitty Italian markets to get, Okay, which makes it really special.
0: That sounds like, I'm getting hungry now, just thinking
3: of this. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> yeah, for me, I grew up in Nigeria and I'm more familiar with Nigerian food. And the one I love so much, they call it fufu. Fufu, yeah. I love eating fufu so much. And what, what, can you describe it at all? What's what, yeah, what goes into I, it? Yeah, it's made from corn flour, maybe corn flour. You can use different kind of flour, corn, millet, uh, maybe. So it's kind yam. of a bread. Yeah, a mm-hmm. kind of flour. So you you mix it together and you eat it with the soup. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. By the side, yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. Sometimes I do cookies, sometimes. Okay. Yeah, not always. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Well, I lived on my own for a couple of years. Um, but I guess what I, I like to make frequently would be uh, stir fry. But um, I also like uh, steak.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I make that sometimes too. It's a good, manly meal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we don't have a ton of time left. I know, and I know you guys have things to do. But uh, what. Uh, you know besides praying and doing seminarian things and, and soon to be priestly things you have to have some other sorts of hobbies and things you know just as normal humans would what are some things uh, you like to do in, in
1: any free time you might have which i know probably isn't much
0: but any <laughs> <laughs> any sort of hobbies or anything
1: um i'll begin by two words cardinals and blues um huge sports fan we baseball. have to say we're sorry about the blues it's, yeah it's i'm in mourning still yeah. uh <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, uh, sports. I love, love paying attention to baseball and hockey. Um, love, love those two sports. Love going to games. Uh, I'd go to hockey games with Bishop Rice when he was still in town. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Um, I also, I've also played the piano uh, since I was about three or four, and then the pipe organ since seventh grade. So um, I've been involved in, with liturgical music at the seminary ever since I started um, in the choir and then playing the piano and the organ whenever any of our other organists can't be there. Um, beyond that, I also like to go on a good run. Uh, I've taken a running in the last year. Now, I may, I mean, I'm mean, i not in the greatest shape, but it's a good way to kind of clear my head and uh, get a little exercise. So, great, yeah.
3: Yeah, For me, I mean, I love soccer so much. Yeah, so I spend a lot of time watching soccer. And since I've been here, I've not had much opportunity to play any soccer or anything like that. But I spend more time watching it and I enjoy it. Have you so played the
0: Souls and Goals game? No, I'm no? not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah.
3: Well, maybe maybe uh,
0: next year, uh, as a priest, you can, okay. you can be on the clergy <laughs> team. We need to get you, <laughs> get you on the field. <laughs>
2: um, I like to run and to hike and to go on walks. Um, I also like to do some reading. Um, I guess that sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> Tinkering with
0: nuclear reactors, right? Is that no, no? You have not, to have special so I
1: did see some plutonium in his room one oh, time. Okay, so, yeah. right. as long as it's not kryptonite, we <laughs> weren't supposed to see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so um,
0: maybe this is a dangerous question, but uh, as, you're, as you know, you'll be you'll be assigned to a parish, and uh, you'll be meeting a lot of new parishioners, and they'll be coming up to you and introducing themselves and, and asking about you. Um, What's one thing that uh, those parishioners wouldn't know or, or just the average person would be, would be surprised to know about you, that looking at you or whatever little bit they might know? Is there anything that comes to mind? Something, some surprising little fact or tidbit?
1: Um, let's see. Only one I could think of, at least off the top of my head, is I'm only, I'm only 24 right now. Um, <laughs> I'm te- technically too young to get ordained. I needed a dispensation from the archbishop in order to get wow. that. You nor- normally have to be 25, according to canon law. So um, this makes me the youngest priest in the entire archdiocese when I get ordained. Wow. So, wow. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be the youngest. I'm the baby. Okay. And, and that will be the case for, uh, for two years, because uh, everybody in the grade below me is older than me.
0: Okay. <laughs> wow. So um, you're going to hold that tie? Do they have a trophy for them? Uh it's, yeah. a, it, yeah, it's a it's is a is it a rib- little is it a little golden pacifier? Or I think.
1: So. <laughs> I, I think it, it might be a propeller hat. Okay. Uh, or a, or a big red lollipop.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> This isn't entirely relevant, but you know, as uh, when they announced that uh, Bishop Rivetuso was uh, going to be uh, named auxiliary bishop. Uh, Archbishop Carlson said he went from being a senior priest to a baby bishop. <laughs> so, uh, lots of lots of babies around now—baby yes. bishops and baby priests. So, yep.
3: Well, let's see. Um, there are a lot of things about me that are different. Like just barely looking at me, you know, you, you see the, a lot of difference. You know, the way I speak and the way yeah, it will be very pronounced to people. But there is something about me that I notice that sometimes I speak very slowly and people don't understand what I said. <laughs> yeah, so they will come to to realize that. Yeah, as time goes on, that. Yeah, they're you not know, getting me well. Yeah, yeah. even my friends Nigerians who complain. You know. <laughs> 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 yeah. it means you're very thoughtful. Yeah. Very thoughtful. And, yeah. Exactly.
2: I guess one of the surprising things about me is that um, I look younger than I actually am. <laughs> um, I'm actually 33, but if you look at me, you probably would think that I'm 24 or some other
0: uh, lower number. Um, so you're not a baby priest, is what or you won't be a baby <laughs> priest. Yeah.
1: No. And for the, I, rec- for the record, when he told me his age, I didn't believe him.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, I don't st- believe him. Ask for the birth <laughs> certificate. <laughs> yeah but it
2: is it is uh, quite a blessing to be ordained a priest at age thirty three because uh, yeah. our Lord passed away, gave up his life actually at age thirty three yep. so uh,
0: in a way it's like continuing his ministry yeah. That, yeah. That I can imagine that be, being very special um, and you know the, the beautiful thing about you too is that you've had life experiences, not saying that Deacon Schneier has't, sure. but you know you've you've been to a, a secular institution to study school you've had a job out in the world and and uh, there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for uh, everybody, you know, every priest's experience, but I think that's uh, definitely a unique, a unique take on things. Um, what's your favorite thing about St. Louis?
1: Mm. Um, let's see, favorite thing about St. Louis, I would say that um, it's a relatively compact town. Um, for the most part, you can get anywhere you need to go in about 30 to 45 minutes, uh, traffic notwithstanding. But, I really enjoy that because, um, you know, I, I like to be close by to people. I like to, you know, be able to, on a whim, some nights, like, hey, you want to get together? Um, and that, that that's a very important thing uh, for us uh, entering the priesthood. Um, priestly fraternity is quite important. I mean, nowadays it's getting close to the t- to a reality of one priest per parish almost, and to be able to, you know, as opposed to other dioceses that are have vast geographical areas that are much more spread out ours is relatively compact and to be able to be that somewhat close enough to a few guys that you can get together some night and just hang out at a rectory or a restaurant somewhere that's really important to me um so yeah just the i don't know if it's the city itself or the archdiocese but yeah. we're relatively compact and we can uh, you know you can get anywhere you need to go in, yeah 30 to 45 minutes roughly for, mm. the, mo- for the most part
3: yeah I mean, I've not been to so many places in the United States, but I've gone to maybe a few states. But what I noticed different with St. Louis is that St. Louis is be very calm and peaceful compared to the places I visited, like New York or, or Washington. Uh, those places are really ra- loud, very loud, you know, and a lot of people out and so many people on the streets, you know. But I notice that it's a little bit different here. It's more calm, and very peaceful, and I like
0: it. Yeah, it's a Midwestern thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we take we take pride in that. <laughs>
3: yep.
2: Well, I've lived in Illinois, I've lived in Rolla, um, and I could have gone to the Archdiocese. Uh, I could have gone to the Diocese of Rockford or the Diocese of Jeff City, but for me, St. Louis is home, and that's what's uh, that's what's
0: so special about St. Louis for me. Okay. Nobody said gooey butter cake, so i disappointed. No. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was understood. Oh, okay. That's just a given. <laughs> or toasted ravioli. Is there anything else uh, we need to talk about you guys that you guys need to share? And, and I want um, to state know. for the record, before you're a priest, now get it out now. <laughs> no, I don't
1: kidding. know if I forgot to mention, at least, I'm, I'm assigned at, I've been assigned this past year at St. Joe's Cotterville Parish, um, the big one, uh, that yeah. big big parish out in St. Charles County. Catholic Happy Land. Catholic Happy Land, as Father Happyland, Gerber, as Father to Gerber loves to say. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, he just baptized 10 babies over the weekend. Um, it, it's a, it's a big, bustling place, and, and I've absolutely loved it out there this year. Um, there's some wonderful people, great priests, a great youth group, and um, it's just been a fantastic experience out there. And, you know, whenever I go to a different parish sometime later on in my, pre, or my priesthood, or even here in, in May, every other place is going to seem very quiet and quaint yeah. compared to St. Joe's, but I, I love the hustle and bustle. I love to be kept busy, and that's been a great place for me this year.
3: Great. Yeah. I've been a transitional deacon for two years now, and I thought that that was a disadvantage. But when I sit back and look at it now, it's well, it's, a, it's advantage for me, it's a lot of advantages for me. And it really helped me to, to learn know much about parish life and, and having a lot of experiences with the sacrament. When I was at Assumption, parish, I baptized ten children at a time and that was a very great experience for me and yeah I, I I love I love it and I have a lot of experience for this past two years and I thank God for it Every, yeah. nothing happened by chance <laughs> right yeah.
2: this past year I've been assigned at uh, Our Lady of Lords in Washington Missouri and that's just been a wonderful experience um I think being there in the rectory with uh, Father Jim Thiebe and Father Don Glastetter um, has been great. Uh, they've given good advice. They've been helpful, very welcoming and understanding. Uh, the parish is great. The people are great. Um, they've also been very welcoming. Uh, so I, I've enjoyed my transitional diaconate year, but
0: now I'm ready for priesthood. I think. <laughs> yes, a lot, a lot to look forward to. And uh, we are the faithful, the Catholic, uh, the Catholic faithful, of the Archdiocese of Saint Louis. Very. Very thankful for your commitment to this and, and decision to follow God's call for this vocation in your life, and uh, uh, we will be praying for you, praying that your uh, your ministry is is fruitful. And uh, you know, we we need uh, we need more more men like you guys uh, to to follow God's call to the priesthood and and be able to serve, uh, you know, serve in the vineyard that, uh, yeah. that this is. So, thank you so much for coming into the studio, taking time out of your busy schedules. I know you're wrapping up school and well, some of you are wrapping up school. <laughs> a couple of you are wrapping up school. Uh, but taking time on my busy schedules to come in here and share with us a little bit. And um, best of luck with um, coordination. Nobody trip going up the aisle. That's, hopefully that, that doesn't happen. But, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be there and we'll be praying for you and uh, praying for your priesthood. So, thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast. Just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter at archstl is our handle there, at archstl. And we're on Instagram at at catholic stl and you should follow the st louis review they're on facebook also twitter and instagram under the handle at st louis review that's st louis review the catholic gateway podcast is a production of the archdiocese of st louis i'm your host gabe jones we hope you'll join us again next time here in the gateway to the west the rome of the west catholic st louis